0: restaurant unstoppable episode 887 with eric oberholzer progress over perfection so many people get caught up in
1: in in purity and perfection and and it inhibits uh, the important steps towards some aspirational goal
0: are you ready for it factors success stories failures and bombs of restaurant industry knowledge then join Eric Cacciatore in today's incredible guest as they share what it takes to become unstoppable now I know you know about plate iq but do you know about plate iq's new spend and management feature okay let me tell you about it Play IQ now offers a new spend management feature, which allows you to issue virtual or physical cards directly with Play IQ card. With Play IQ card, there's no credit check, no minimum bank balance, and no personal guarantee required. This feature is great for small restaurants who want to eliminate expense reporting for their employees, but cannot get a corporate credit card issued Easily, and I've got to tell you that with Plate IQ card, you can get up to one percent cash back. And you cannot forget that Plate IQ still offers bill pay, incredible insights, and custom approval workflows. To learn more, head to plateiq.com/unstoppable. And when you use that link, you can save twenty five percent off implementation. Today's episode is brought to you by Margin Edge. With Margin Edge, you can track food and labor costs in real time so you can make informed decisions in the moment. And who likes data entry? No one. So you'll be thrilled to hear that there's no more data entry with Margin Edge. They will save your team hours and paperwork by automating your invoice processing with line item detail. Don't worry about tech integration either because Margin Edge allows you to seamlessly connect your POS and accounting systems and get a daily P and, L. and on top of all of this, Margin Edge enables you to digitally manage your inventory and recipes. Plus, you can compare actual costs versus theoretical costs. Head to MarginEdge.com unstoppable to sign up for a free demo. And when you use that link, you can try Margin Edge for free for 30 days. No contract, no setup fee. Plus, you'll get free unlimited training and support. That's MarginEdge.com unstoppable. Today's episode is brought to you by Diageo Bar Academy, a company you've been hearing me reference a lot on the show lately. And that's because they're awesome. And I want to make sure you know about some new e-learning courses they have available right now. Diageo Bar Academy is always free with tons of resources that can help you build your skills at your own pace and at any level. So these courses I'm talking about, like the two courses on beer category in Guinness essentials, just in time for St. Patrick's day, you'll learn all there is to know about Guinness history and heritage and how you can serve a beautiful, great quality, great tasting pint every time. Learn about different beer styles and even how to enhance your guest food experience with pairings. Or if your restaurant leans more towards the spirits, then make sure you take the interactive course on spirits and food pairings. Knowing what cocktails to recommend for different moments of your guest meal can elevate their dining experience, and help you improve your check averages. To learn more about what Diageo Bar Academy has to offer to grow your career, visit www.diageobaracademy.com. That's D-I-A-G-E-O baracademy.com. Become a member and be sure to opt into the newsletter today. It's completely free, and you will be amazed at all they have to offer. That's D-I-A-G-E-O baracademy.com. With excitement, allow me to introduce to you today's guest, former CEO and co-founder of Tender Greens and co-author of 10-Year Plan and current managing partner, sorry, managing director of Cohere, Eric Oberholzer. Eric, my man, are you feeling unstoppable today?
1: I feel like a freight train.
0: Yes, dude. I cannot wait to get into this conversation. And it's crazy to think that uh, you're on the show way back in 2016. That was episode 277. And I totally forgot that you put Mario Del Pero on my radar and uh, you called him out to be a future guest in the show. And I'm so happy you did because he ended up being an incredible guest. I've had him on the show twice since then. And that led to me meeting Donald Moore, uh, the partner at uh, Food Group and the former chief executive uh, culinary officer for the Cheesecake Factory. All those episodes were because of you, man. And like, there were just such gold interviews. So I just can't say thank you enough. Uh, But today we're here to talk about you and uh, to kind of pick up the conversation and to to discuss what you're truly passionate about today, which is regenerative farming and uh, biodiversity and food transparency. Uh, But let's get that motivational, inspirational ball rolling with a success quote or mantra. What do you got for us?
1: You know, historically, it was always the slow and easy wins the race. Um, It really speaks to um, slow, disciplined, very intentional, and steady movement forward. More recently, I would say uh, progress over perfection. Mm. Uh, so many people get uh, you know just caught up in in, in purity and perfection, um, and and it inhibits uh, you know the the important steps towards some aspirational goal. So really falling in love and embracing version point zero version zero version one when when things are kind of sloppy and and iterative um so i think those two are 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 really uh key to 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 how i look at business and how i look at life
0: i love that and it kind of reminds me of your uh former business partner Dave meyer and and what he says is just that constant gentle pressure you know just keep showing up keep pushing have clarity in, in purpose in values and just keep going. And before you know it, you'll get there. That's right. I love it, man. Great way to get this thing started. So let's go back to 2016 when we last had you on the show. You had 24 locations. Uh, what happened thereafter? And then we kind of, we already talked to your partner, David Dressler, and we, we, we dove into this, but I think it'd be really interesting to kind of get a little bit of perspective from you of what that, that last four years was like at Tender Green.
1: Yeah, it, you know that was just post transaction. So we had done the the exit round, um, and uh, you know things changed for all of us. Um, we we really stepped on the on the gas um, to, to 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 really accelerate gr- uh, growth. Um, we focused on the East Coast, which was a, a heavy lift. And we started to bring in some external talent at you know at the at the C level, um, and it began to to uh, to sort of change the dynamic um, for the three of us, me, Matt, and David. And, uh, and over time, uh, I, I think all of us began to feel as though we were um, we were we were we were losing the energy of entrepreneurs. And running a, you know, a big company with a lot of complexity and some external pressure uh, that was really centered on, on growth and, and, and profit. Um, and over time, uh, you know, I, Matt and David um, began to, to imagine what life would look like post Tender Greens. So I uh, I stepped aside as as CEO at the end of 2018, okay. partly because I chose to to stay on the East Coast, um, and just partly because I, I felt you know I was like a starting pitcher who in you know the seventh or eighth inning was was feeling as though his arm was getting tired and it was time to come off the mound. So we brought Daniel Bruno in um, and and got her
0: uh, trained up to, to take over. I don't know if you're aware, but I had her on the show as well. A lot of energy, huh? Oh my gosh. She's a lot of fun. Yeah, it was great. (laughs) It was a great interview. Uh, so you said it started to change, started to feel different. What was, what was different for you? What was, what was different about the way you were living, uh, your, your purpose and everything that you weren't getting, um, anymore that you were getting when it was just the three of you in like 24 and fewer locations.
1: Yeah, I, I think, uh, the, the foundational difference was that, uh, we were, we were now answering to a, a fairly sophisticated board that, um, you know, had some heavy influence and, and, all, you know, very smart guys who were, um, I think trying to be helpful. Uh, but you know, that, that oversight and, and the reporting structure, uh, just shifted the dynamic a bit. Um, so I think over time where we would have operated more from intuition and our our, our gut, uh, we were now uh, hesitating, questioning our, our gut against uh, some of the guidance that we might've been getting. Um, and then you, you fold in some, uh, you know, senior executive level folks from, you know, big companies like Starbucks or Yum Brands or whatever, um, the 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 conventional thinking against our sort of founder entrepreneurial mindset uh, began to to feel as though it was in conflict, mm. and we we were really trying to you know sort of be good partners to to the new dynamic and i think uh, i'll speak for myself uh, lost ourselves lost our true no- north and lost our our center a bit in in that
0: so this is this is interesting and i'm i'm so happy i know we're, we're here to talk about regenerative farming and food transparency we're going to get there but i think that what what i think you and uh, david did really well in 10 year plan that a lot of other books don't capture is the different phases that you go through as a company grows from one location to how many locations were they at but in 2018 or 2020 was it 2018 when you walked away?
1: Uh, yeah. So we were at, I, th- I think it was 34 restaurants at that point.
0: Yeah. And how, I mean, there's just like your role as an owner evolves and changes over that time. We focus a lot on the one to, you know, from one location to like, say five locations, then five locations to 10 locations. But when it gets that, like that 24 location mark and you have to start bringing in outside support. And I mean, it's, it's kind of that same uh, pattern you see where you you got to know when to get out of the way you know and surround yourself with people uh who you know have experience with this or just better at doing it um and i'm not i don't know if, if, if i don't know exactly where i'm going with this but but i guess what i'm saying is like your your book just highlights from your perspective from an owner's perspective the evolution so well and i think for any other reason you have to go get this book just for that reason because it go you go through you 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 spell out the growing pains right, and it was just really impactful. So, I mean, and that's one of the things I've noticed too is that when when companies grow, they they there's almost a sense of like they're losing a little bit of what made them so special in the first place. And are you suggesting that might have happened here? I don't want to put words into your mouth.
1: I, I think uh, you know you, we always related ourselves to a to a band and musicians start in the garage and then they start playing the local clubs and if they're lucky uh you know they they start opening for their their heroes and eventually you know the big record labels come along and and sign them and now they're opening up at coachella and they're they're on you know the the, the circuit and they're getting uh, airtime, um but in signing that record deal or maybe three record deal, now they have to reach a much broader audience, uh, which, you know, comes with, you know, filters and and you have to do music for, uh, you know, for people outside of your your core enthusiasts. Uh, So sometimes, oftentimes, you know, things can get a little diluted down and, there were, there were things that we did decisions that we made that were designed for a national expansion uh, were designed to make it easier to, to market and, and talk about uh, what we were doing in a, in a clear, concise and repetitive way. And, and I'll speak for myself. I was, digging deeper and deeper and deeper in, into the topic that we're going to talk about, which is uh, re- regenerative agriculture, bio, biodiversity, and the role of food in, in all of these things that we should be co- concerned about, whether it's human health, uh, cultural um, diversity and expression or planetary health. And, and as I was going deeper and let's say even more fringe and, and, and esoteric, the brand was having to to stay connected to a an audience that was, uh, you know, maybe a little bit broader and um, and not quite there yet. So there was there was a little tension between where I felt we could take the brand and um, and and our responsibility as a as a larger uh, restaurant group to to assert our our, our influence, our supply chain choices, our voice, and our leadership position uh, to to advance the food system, and instead we were we were I think uh, um, I don't want to say diluting it down, but we were we were we, were, um, we went through a, a period where we were just um, really focused on, on growth and and maybe playing a little bit too safe.
0: So I want to make sure I understand your focus has always been, it was very clear that you wanted to advance the food system and you wanted to use your restaurant to help good food, get to more people. That was always kind of one of the the driving forces for you. When you brought on the new team members, uh, the, the focus shifted to expansion, not so much serving the mission that you felt was close and near and dear to your heart.
1: We were, we never lost sight of, the mission and you know, really lifting our people—that never went away. I don't want to suggest that it, it you know, it, it took an, um, the wrong turn. Um, I think, as a, as a as a founder, as a chef, and as an entrepreneur, I was always looking to 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 push um, push it to the to the edge. Uh, as it relates to, to impact impact and better uh, you know
0: food systems would you say push uh, it to the edge are you talking about this mindset of changing the food system or yeah okay. it, it,
1: yes you know wherever the food system is uh, nudging it further um, you know it's a sort of constant pressure that uh, that progress towards a a, a better um, better tomorrow and that's hard once you you know you reach a certain size. You you see that with Starbucks. Starbucks was incredibly innovative in the early days, and you know as 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 they expanded, I think some of that that shifted. Um, uh, Chipotle the same way, and you know we'll see see what uh, what happens with uh, with Sweetgreen. I think they you know they're they're in a in a very powerful leadership position right now.
0: Yeah. It's going to be Uh, interesting to see what they do with spice and those robotics. Uh, And I'm, I'm following that pretty closely.
1: Yeah. They're, they're a really dynamic, interesting group. And I think they're right-minded, you know, they, they live and express their values. Um, But they, they have the pressure of wall street also. So, you know, it's, it's fun to watch.
0: Yeah. So uh, the, the message, the underlying message I got is that as you scale, innovation gets more difficult.
1: I, I think so, yeah, because you, you no longer can um, pivot and dodge and, and, and make little mistakes and, and, and
0: recover. Um, it's like a ship, a ship, a big ship takes a long time to turn and you can have a little jet ski right next to it doing all types of, you know, flips and waves and having a grand old time. It can, it can turn on a dime. The bigger you are, the more, the more momentum you have. One change has to be, has to echo throughout the entire organization and that takes time. hundred yeah. percent. Yeah. So is, is it, so I guess what I'm concluding is that for you, what really lights you up, what really drives you is the innovative part of this is the, the staying on the, the, the leading edge and, being uh at that staying at that edge and not in the focus one from being innovative to let's take this across the country
1: that's that's right and and that's when you know bringing in somebody like Danielle bruno made sense because that's that's what she does she uh she comes in once a a, a business or brand is is established and and helps it grow and you know, she she really led with with confidence. She was quick. She was smart. Uh, she wasn't of the food space. But what we liked about Daniela was that she was um, she had been you know on the disruptive side with Apple Retail. She had been on the disrupt did you know the the the, the legacy coffee. brand that coffee yeah you know, coffee was yeah that's right. Yeah, so Pete's Coffee, in in some ways, we we saw ourselves in Pete's Coffee. That you know they were the they were the OG. They were before Starbucks, and yet Starbucks, you know, was um, innovative and 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 such a huge cultural influence. While um, Pete's kind of stayed crunchy and 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 really close to their uh, founding values, but almost to a fault,
0: mm-hmm. and.
1: And then obviously the work that she did with Dry Bar, which was this clean, modern, um, millennial brand that was, I think, brilliant, and and she was and, and and carried a lot of the complexity that we do in the restaurant business. It's yeah. high touch. <laughs> it, you have people. Um, so she was. She just had these experiences outside of the restaurant space that were relevant. Um, to tender greens because we're all servicing the same customer.
0: Yeah. And in, in the book, I can't remember if it was your words or if it was David's words where he was getting um, mentored by Danny Meyer and Danny explains, uh, he uses the analogy of a growing tree and how people are like bark. And as the tree grows, you know, bark needs to be shed to make room for growth. And you look at your team members and this applies, and that's where he was. Was it you or David that mentioned this?
1: Uh, I don't know if it was, I mean, Danny, uh, Danny shared that, um, it, pro- it probably echoed
0: many times. Yeah. 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 <laughs> but it's this mentality. But I think where I'm going with this is you have to become self-aware and recognize when you're the bark and it's time for you to be shed. So the company that you created can go on and do bigger things. Right.
1: Yeah. And, you know, I I work a lot with founders in, in growth phase now. And, you know, that's part of it is getting them ready for the eventuality that, 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 you know, the business is going to, if they're successful, the business outgrows
0: them. Yeah. But I mean, but here we are though. And if you look at uh, why we're all here, if, you, you know, according to, you know, Chip Connelly, we're all here to self-actualize, right? We're all here yeah. to find our definite purpose in the world. And since shedding your responsibilities with Tendergreen, you now get to focus on exactly what it is that got you started in the first place with, you know, what, what drove you to be so successful with Tendergreens in the first place is just being innovative around the broken food system and injecting integrity back into the food system. So where, where were you in 2018? What was your, your knowledge of the food system then? And to kind of take us chronologically over what you've learned since then and what you're trying to share and how you're trying to transform the industry. Actually, you know what? That's a great time to take our first break to thank our sponsors. We'll be right back. Find out why past guests like Tender Greens and Kava are using Play IQ for their accounts payable automation and expense management solution. Yes, you heard me right. Play IQ now offers a new spend management feature, which allows you to issue virtual or physical cards directly with Play IQ card. With Play IQ card, there is no credit card check, no minimum balance and no personal guarantee required. This feature is great for small restaurants who want to eliminate expense reporting for their employees, but cannot get a corporate credit card easily. And I've got to let you know that with Play IQ card, you can get up to 1% cash back. That's pretty great. Now, I've told you what's new with Played IQ, but you can't forget about all the other features you get with Played IQ, like bill pay and incredible insights and approval of hierarchies. With Bill Pay, you can seamlessly flow from invoice upload to paying your bill, and this is all happening online, so no more paper checks. Played IQ Bill Pay lets you see what's due when, and you can pay by check, ach or play IQ card. Also with play IQ bill pay, you can say goodbye to escrow. That's right. No more flow. In other words, no money leaves your account until it's received by the vendor. We've got to talk about play IQ insights too, because I mean, insights are so important. There's insights to allow you to compare spend by item, vendor, time, period, and location. Man, I love some insights. You can even set alerts. For example, if a price goes outside your agreed contract terms, boom you get an alert. And then lastly, there's Play IQ custom approval workflows. Only see the invoices you need to. No more duplications of efforts and no more hunting down approvers. To learn more, head to www.playiq.com unstoppable. And when you use that link, save 25% off implementation. We're back and you're just about to get into telling us where you were in 2018 and how you started living intentionally.
1: Yeah, I was living in New York
0: um,
1: and getting deeper and deeper and deeper into uh, biodiversity in the food system, uh, regenerative organic agriculture. I had joined the board of the Rodale Institute in Pennsylvania, which is really the the co-author of... uh, organic uh, certification in, in the U S and now uh, rock, which is the regenerative organic certification with Patagonia and, um, and Dr. Bronner's and then the, the work with the, the crop trust, which is missioned to, uh, to, to really protect uh, the world's crop diversity, biodiversity and, um, in the food system. So they manage the 11 international vaults around the world and also the Svalbard seed vault, the global seed vault in, in Norway. And I was, you know, stepping from this platform of, you know, the local food systems, uh, organic, uh, agriculture and heirloom varietals that were, uh, in the peak of season just for a moment into the next layer was, which was really the genetics, uh, of, of, of the seeds and the, and the history behind them and, and, and the importance of, uh, diversity in, in the seed stock, uh, so that we have a more resilient food system moving forward. And then also, um, the importance of, uh, soil health and, everything that the regenerative agriculture movement uh, was 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 focused on, which was not just sustaining but uh, rebuilding. so rebuilding ecosystems, rebuilding uh, our waterways, rebuilding uh, soil complexity and health so that uh, we have uh, less need for uh, chemical inputs and agriculture is working in harmony, with the natural world, not in, in, a, in, in a, in an antagonistic or damaging way.
0: Yeah. And I love this idea of working with harmony in the natural world. You think of like the Mayans, right. And what they were doing in the Amazon juggle, uh, and just how they just coexisted with nature and it provided everything they needed in abundance. Um, but I think it's, and I don't want to get too far off track, but what you're saying, I think also applies to humans. And this idea of studying, you're know you studying nature and how it existed naturally in the, you know, um, with no human footprint and what was happening in the soil and the biodiversity, but also we can study where, what we were 10,000 years ago as humans and what made us happy. And I think there's so much to be learned about where we're going to go in the future by studying our past. And I think it's fascinating, but keep going.
1: Yeah. I mean, just to to speak to people and and the importance of diversity, if you look at the urban world, you know, you look at the the, the great cities of the world, they're incredibly diverse. Uh, You know, every representative of the planet is in any major city. And with that language, culture, um, religion, uh, that makes a city life so dynamic and, and and interesting and, and in constant movement uh, versus uh, the suburban world, where which is often um, kind of like monocrop, you know, you, you have uh, suburban communities that uh, oft, too often look the same. Uh, the people are from the same uh, place. They tend to, to look and think the same and their, their retail and their shopping and their, and their entertainment is, you know, is, is maybe one note. And that, that's an, I, I, I live in Princeton, New Jersey. So I live outside the city. I live in Exeter, Um, New Hampshire.
0: So I am picking up what you're putting down, man.
1: (laughs) So, and you know, I'm not saying one is better than the other, but um, if we, if we think about, you know, that, that, that diversity of the city versus the um, the one note of a certain, Rural and, and suburban communities, uh, we can we can compare that um, to to agriculture, and you have uh, biodiversity in in agriculture, where you might have a farm with many many different um, products, uh, both plant and animal, and the more you have, uh, the more they work together in yeah. in. And, uh, and once you find that balance, uh, there's a great movie called uh, the, great, uh, the Biggest Little Farm and, and it really sort of captures both the romance, but also the, the struggle and ultimately the value of you know, diverse regenerative agriculture versus um, what much of the, the global food system is based on, which is monocropping. And if, you, if anybody's ever driven through the Midwest it's hundreds of thousands of acres of genetically modified corn or soy or whatever. Um, and, and there's nothing good about that for the soil, uh, for the, you know, the natural ecosystem. Uh, the only thing that is allowed to, to thrive is that one crop. Yeah. Everything else is tamed.
0: Yeah. I mean, I can't, like, it just keeps coming up this idea that what you see in nature, there's these patterns, And these patterns apply to us. And for some reason, humans like to think that there's a line drawn between us and nature, that we aren't animals, that we don't, that these rules don't apply to us. And it's just kind of silly when you think about it, but um, you see like diversity, I think is such a key to so many open so many doors and it it makes so many things better. Like you you think of a restaurant, right? You don't want 10 chefs in a restaurant. That's not going to be a successful restaurant. You want a chef, a, an operations person, a marketing person, an accounting person. Like we are tribal and a tri- every tribe member in that 50 or 150 group band or whatever, however big they were. Um, they all had a purpose and they all contributed to the, the greater cause of the tribe to you know survive. But every person would contribute and every person. So it's, it's the same thing in soil. Every microbe in soil has a purpose and it's a whole, it's like a, a little jungle in the dirt, you know, and, and when you strip the, the response, when you start stripping these microbes from the dirt and like the whole system crumbles because everybody had a purpose. It's like pulling the chef out of the restaurant or the front of house manager out of the restaurant. You need all the elements for it to work. And that's kind of what I'm hearing from you. Is that, is that accurate? Is that a good analogy?
1: Yeah. You destroy one component and the entire system begins to, to fail, which then Um, what we do, so traditionally what we do is we strip, we strip the soil and then we add the stuff back in that we want, you know, our, our plants or animals to, to thrive on. Um, and you know, those, those plants or animals might, might thrive, um, but everything else suffers. And then ultimately uh, you, you strip the, the, you know, the soil or you poison the waterways to the point where um, it is very hard to reverse. So, you know, we, we see the pollution uh, and the toxicity of our streams and, and rivers, we see the bleaching and acidification of, uh, of our oceans and, um, and then that ends up in, in 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 our fish supply, which ends up in our sushi, which causes health problems, and all this stuff compounds. It's all- so, it, and, and if we just look at one uh, little component of it, it, it doesn't tell the full story. You have to look at the entire uh, system. And once you start to look at the entire system and then come back to your own Connection to that, whether as a chef, a restaurateur, or a diner, uh, you begin to realize that maybe uh, your food choices matter because, at the end of the day, if we're if if we're sponsoring uh, the agriculture that's 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 damaging the uh, you know the the, the planet. And by sponsoring,
0: and- you mean purchasing the food that's damaging the planet.
1: Yeah, hundred percent.
0: Okay. That's, then it's on us
1: as individuals, it's on us as restauranteurs, it's on us as as an industry. And that's where, you know, I'm saying we are complicit in the problems that we now face and the next generation is, is screaming about, and rightfully so, um, because our behavior is antagonistic to and in conflict with, with the world that we, we want to live in. Um, so, you know, whether it's packaging waste related to convenience culture and, and delivery and takeout, or it's, you know, uh, the, the, the reliance uh, on, 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 you know, soy, wheat, corn and, and rice and, yeah. and <laughs> outside of those.
0: So I always shrink like I just like whenever people talk about uh the move towards like uh, the Beyond Burger or whatever this 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 type of food that is basically supporting mono farming and needs mono farming to exist whether I don't know whether it's soy milk or um the Beyond Burger or the Impossible Burger or oat milk or whatever it is and you have a lot of like vegetarians or people who are using the excuse for for being uh. A vegetarian, or the, the excuse that they they don't want to kill animals, uh, but you know animals are the reason why we're destroying the environment. So I'm going to go eat a Beyond Burger, and that's going to be better. Like, what are your thoughts on that?
1: Yeah, a yeah, really good point. So right after this, I'm on a on a on a call. I'm part of a cohort that is really trying to define the practices and principles of the alternative protein space. So, you know, the, the the founders of a lot of these brands um, uh, are, are part of this group. It's uh, it's sort of facilitated, came out of Google food labs. And one of the, one of the big issues that I've been driving um, is, is transparency. Uh, Because, this space enjoys a, a both a health and an environmental halo that, in my view, is is not is not accurate. One because of what you just shared, a lot of the the core ingredients for Beyond and Impossible and others are are soy based, are, are wheat based, um, and and they're they're coming from sources that are monocropped. Uh, they might be. Uh, genetically modified. Um, and, you know, for the vegans who, you know, don't want to, uh, you know, use honey because um, they, f- they feel it's damaging to the, the it exploits the bees. Well, it, it, the glycemic kills entire bee populations along with the butterflies and everything else. So I, I would argue that some of these uh you know substitutes are are worse for the ecosystem and the environment than than a a pastured animal. Um, but what we're doing in this group is is agreeing to report with transparency so that there's truth truth in the in the food system. Um, and then consumers can decide, but at least they they're not getting the marketing spin only. They're getting the uh, the truth. And, and, you know, with, with blockchain, there's, there are ways to do that, um, uh, you know, f- fairly clearly. Uh, and then from a health perspective, you know, a lot of the stuff I don't register as nutrition or food. I I've, I've worked with the yellow pea isolate and, and, and the gluten flakes uh, and, and truthfully I find it hard to to turn that into anything good and when i've i've given it to my chickens the chickens will need it
0: <laughs> that, that's not <another> a <laughs> sign i don't know what it is
1: <laughs> yeah chickens chickens eat everything including chicken uh but they they won't eat this stuff so it it, it tells you something
0: yeah absolutely so um you mentioned blockchain and how blockchain could help with this, and I think that for people who aren't completely familiar with blockchain, um, you think of like this leading like technology that's developing. How does that have anything to do with farming, and why will that help with food transparency?
1: So, um, a you know the I mean to to put it simply, and I, I don't understand the actual technology, but. Uh, the way it works is, <clears throat> you're a farmer or a fisherman, and there is a ledger of transaction. So the fisherman, let's say, is on a little boat in the South China Sea, catches some fish, and there's another boat that comes and 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 buys that fish. Um, there's a chain of custody. There, it was it was it was caught here with a line or a net or, or whatever. Um, and, and the price uh, at transaction was X and every point along the value chain until it gets to your plate or to your market shelf is recorded. Every
0: transaction, basically.
1: Every transaction. And the way that works is you've got the blockchain uh, where, where You know these ledgers are recorded, um, and they they can't be altered. And then a a a group like let's say Visa um, or some banking uh, function will uh, will will sort of sponsor this so that people are being compensated for you know for for uh, you know sort of recording this on the on the blockchain. Uh, and they can do it through a cell phone. Um, and, and there are some pilots out there that, that are doing this, both uh, on, on, on the seafood side and, and, the, um, and, and, the, uh, and the plant side. And what that means to consumers, whether you're a purchasing agent for a big company or a consumer shopping the shelves, is with your phone, you can scan a QR code and have access to that, that ledger that chain of custody so that there is full transparency. And the next step is there, the, there might be an option someday where a consumer can essentially tip the, yeah. the uh, you know, the person who sowed the seeds or caught that original fish yeah. somewhere.
0: I think this is huge for, I think where I believe the future of the restaurant industry and just the world is going where I hope it's going, where I'm championing it to go is towards this idea of of conscious capitalism. And and when you have that food transparency, when you have just transparency in general, the consumer can make much more intentional purchasing decisions. And I think what you're going to start to see um, as we go into the future is people we're we're just starting to realize like, Hey, we all want to be happy and we can really achieve happiness more simply than we would think. Uh, you take, you you take care of your most basic human needs, food and shelter. And beyond that, it's just feeling like you're, you know, you're loved, you're, you're, you you belong, that you're growing, you're learning, and that you have your definite purpose in life. Um, food and shelter are the biggest challenges. And I I know some numbers that I echo and I was hoping you could support some of these numbers. You probably know far more. I know, you know, far more about this stuff than I do. I've heard that 98% of the world's pollution comes from the food system. Is that accurate? Do you can you support that number? Have you heard that uh it, well, I, I, that's
1: I don't think that's accurate. Um it's it's about thirty percent of uh of sort of carbon emissions, let's say, which would, you know, be
0: defined as, so as food productions know. makes up thirty percent of carbon emissions. Is that what you
1: that's right. And that might be, you know, tilling soil and stripping it and releasing carbon. It might be related to logistics, transportation, um, trans,
0: yeah, transportation, uh, production, packaging, all of that stuff. Well, then I'm, I'm assuming cows are a big part of that too, or just livestock.
1: Yes. For, you know, a whole host of reasons, right. They've been vilified. So, you know, that might be uh uh, clearing massive amounts of rainforest uh, to convert to pasture. Mm-hmm. That might be uh, growing corn or soy um, to feed animals. Uh, the, you know, it's not, I, I, I think it's kind of laughable, honestly, around, you know, the, the cows fart more than anything else, you know, in the mess, they, yeah, whatever. I think it's, it's, it's a uh, habitat destruction and these massive um, amounts of of land that are dedicated to animal feed and animal uh, uh, you know um, ranges. Uh, so yes, animal production has, has a big part to play, but so does um, so does chemical uh, farming as well. Because to your point about pollution beyond carbon, uh, a lot of a lot of these toxins end up in, 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 the, in the, the aquifer, end up in the streams, end up in rivers, and in, end up in ocean. And it, 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 it damages or kills um, the, the, the native plants and, and animals and critters uh, that are in these important waterways.
0: And it just compounds and compounds and compounds until you're in the ocean. Yeah, but you're so, not taking into consideration uh, the the cost of moving the food around thereafter, the cost of uh, packaging, which is a huge violation of, you know, just like all the plastics and packaging and styrofoam, uh, maybe not so much styrofoam, but definitely the plastics, you know, that you can't even, you you can't not buy plastic today. Even if you don't want to, like you, like you open a box and there's plastic inside of it. Like you like there's like no way of knowing like if you're supporting the system or not. Um, but I don't know. I just, I mean, I, I don't know where I heard that number, but it's when you think about all the, the different things that go into, you know, growing then packaging then then um, like, I don't like 98% where, where else would the pollution come from? I'm not disagreeing with you, but I'm just saying, what is that number? Do you know what it is? Um, well, I think ninety eight percent
1: is is human activity okay. is what I would say, and you know, energy is probably number two. So, you, if you've got food systems, right, as as thirty uh, percent energy in all of its forms. So, you know, strip mining of coal. Um, you know, <laughs> you talk about. Uh, crypto and and blockchain and and the amount of energy that is is being used uh, you know in in these systems uh, energy is a huge one and then you know I would I would venture to say habitat loss and human activity um, you know as 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 we grow out of our urban core and take over more and more farmland or forests. Um, to build houses and logistics warehouses and whatever uh, it is so disruptive to, to the natural environment and you know look at a map of you know a hundred years ago and and one today uh, not just in in the US or Europe but look at the developing world and and how the population is expanding and they all need to you know we all need to be housed and and that housing um, really stresses the the, the natural environment um, the migration patterns, uh, waterways, water usage uh, all of that
0: yeah uh, so what is the solution? I mean if we're here today to learn more I think you you've explained bio do you feel like you need to explain what biodiversity is better or what uh, regenerative farming is better have you have you spelled that out enough to this point do you think you need to go further into what those things are?
1: I, I, what I'm going to say about regenerative and, you know, there's a lot of internal debate over sort of exactly, you know, what makes regenerative regenerative. Um, but, you know, I think the important thing for people to understand is that uh, as as a function, regeneration or regenerative agriculture um, aims to build back better, to use a Biden term um, so building back better improving health not just sustaining or maintaining but building back improving soil health uh, water, the health of the waterways um, the health of our bodies the health of our culture the health of uh, a food system so it's more resilient that that's sort of the regenerative movement um, which is different than sustainability which it was, Let's just not screw it up any more than we already have. Let's just hold the line. Uh, this is, we've, got, we've crossed the line. Now we need to build back. We need to improve. We need to, um, we need to heal. In terms of biodiversity, I think the easiest way to understand it is uh, there are two key points. Uh, one would be going deep into an ingredient. So everybody knows what a tomato is. Um, and now everybody Understands, I think what heirloom tomatoes are. Heirloom tomatoes are diversity within a a single ingredient, right? And I think we can we can all agree that that diversity is delicious. That it's it makes uh, summer salads a lot better than a five by six tomato. Um, and then there's diversity um, across ingredients, so. of, of our entire food system is based on four ingredients, soy, corn, wheat, and rice. And it's, and it's in everything. Um, that's not diverse. That's not interesting. That's not exciting. And it's not, it's not good from a nutritional, um, uh, context. It's not interesting from a chef or culinary perspective and culturally it, it doesn't really, um, Uh, you know, represent every, every nuance of the world. So adding more diversity to our food system is like adding uh, quinoa. There was a time when nobody knew what quinoa is. Now it's, it's everywhere or amaranth or fonio or uh, crickets or whatever. Um, So adding more ingredients uh, into our pantry uh, both from fresh and and uh, and, and preserved uh, is another way to look at, at diversity. and that diversity then plays out in in the fields, in the ecosystem uh, and, and that diversity in nature is is better uh, for a diverse and vibrant and resilient
0: um, not just food system but uh, uh, planet uh, in general. Yeah. So one of the things uh, I echo often, I, I think generally speaking, people are good. We all, for the most part, most people were good. We have good intentions, uh, but we also know that people are inherently lazy. Like we take the path of least resistance. It's just built into our our DNA. We, we don't want to use our brain. We don't want to change. Change is very expensive as in terms of, you know, energy, the cost of energy, the mental energy to change your habits. It's, It's a path of resistance and it's people generally don't take that path unless there's something in it for them and it's immediate like they want an immediate return on their investment. They don't think 10 years down the road. What about like our children in the future? You know, we want results now and I think that communicating to the general public that hey, if you choose to eat this type of food it's the best thing for you. And you've been seeing a trend ever since you opened your restaurant in 2006 where people want to put the best food in their system and their in their, in their bodies. Uh, it's like, like this, this health nut, this health craze that's going on right now. And I think that this might be the key to getting people to actually take action to say, Hey, if you want to feel the best, the best thing you can put into your body is something that was grown with this uh, fill in the blank. How would you say like grown with what?
1: Well, I, I, I think grown with, uh, love and care and, um, and, and regenerative best practices, you know? Sure. And, and, and that, that translates into love and care. Yeah. Uh, so whatever you call it, it's, it's really taking care of, of the animal or the plant and, and the property that you're, you're, you know, you're, you're attending to, um, you know where we come in as an industry, where I show up uh, in this conversation, is flavor. So it has to it has to be delicious, it has to be relatable, and it has to be accessible, both you know in in availability, but also in 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 price yeah. and, and, and speed. And you're right, the the enemy is is the convenience culture Mm -hmm. because convenience culture um is is so stitched into american culture that you know we 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 order on our app and you know an amazon truck shows up or uber eats or whoever and you know that may feel like it, it, you know, we've now outsourced cooking and shopping to somebody else. Um, But the the amount of packaging waste, the energy that it it takes to get here, the disconnect between our food and and where it comes from and who does it, I think it's problematic. Um, So, you know, I I think flavor and then also the romance and the importance socially and culturally of you know, breaking bread together, sitting around a table. Um, it's its something that's been, you know, I don't want to say lost, but uh, threatened over the last 50 or 60 years, probably longer. And with the slow food movement, I think, and, and the Food Network, there was this surge of interest and excitement. Um, and I think COVID in some ways uh, deepened that because people were forced to cook at home and and nurture their sourdough or maybe um, plant their own victory garden, get some chickens so that they, you know, they, they, they felt as though, um, you know, they had some control over their, their food. And, and I'm hopeful that this time to really think about it and also connect with, with food uh, that some people will, will, We'll we'll stick with it and and continue to learn and it'll develop and um and and slowly we'll we'll move in this direction of uh, resilient regenerative um, lifestyles. Yeah. Um, but I worry about convenience culture, big food, big business. Whether it's impossible or beyond saying, okay, people just you know just feed them burgers, plant uh, plant based, and 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 they'll be happy. Nobody has to know, you know, the formula or that it's
0: really not, you know, awesome nutrition. Yeah. So I want to take one more quick break to thank our sponsors and we'll be right back. I want to discuss if we want to start making action or taking action in our own business to be more sustainable, to support this, you know, to be a part of the solution, really. Uh, There's a lot of resistance there because a lot of people will say things like, "Eh." It's not it's not profitable. I can't make money doing this or, you know, there isn't a big enough market of people that are willing to to buy this food. I need to tailor to the general public. So we're going to kind of answer some of those questions when we come back and also where to start if you are interested in doing this. Today's episode is brought to you by Margin Edge, a software platform for restaurant people by restaurant people. To be successful in the modern age, you need to be efficient by streamlining your processes and creating automation. Simply put, Margin Edge means data streamlined and insights automated. With Margin Edge, you can track food and labor costs in real time so you can make informed decisions in the moment and who likes data entry no one so you'll be thrilled to hear that there's no more data entry with margin edge they will save your team hours and paperwork by automating your invoice processing with line item detail don't worry about the integration either because margin edge allows you to seamlessly connect your pos and accounting systems and get a daily p&l on top of all of this margin edge enables you to digitally manage your inventory and recipes Plus, You can't compare actual cost versus theoretical cost. Find out why over three thousand one hundred restaurants are thrilled to be using Margin Edge. Head to marginedge.com/unstoppable to sign up for your free demo. And when you use that link, you can try Margin Edge for free for thirty days. There's no contract. There's no setup fee. Plus, you get free unlimited training and support. That's marginedge.com/unstoppable. One more time, marginedge.com slash unstoppable. This episode is brought to you by Diageo Bar Academy. And you've been hearing me talk about Diageo Bar Academy on my podcast for some time now. Uh, Diageo Bar Academy is a totally free resource for bartenders, bar managers, and those in the hospitality industry. Today, I want to tell you about some of these amazing new e-learning courses they have available right now. And again, a reminder, Diageo Bar Academy is always free with tons of resources that help you build your skills at your own pace and at any level. So back to these courses, like the two courses on beer category and Guinness essentials, just in time for St. Patrick's Day too. You'll learn all there is to know about Guinness history and heritage and how you can serve a beautiful, great quality, great tasting pint every time. Learn about different beer styles and even how to enhance your guest food experience with pairings. Or if your restaurant's more geared towards the booze, if you want to learn more about balancing flavors with spirits in food pairings, take the interactive course, Spirits in Food Pairings. Knowing what cocktails to recommend for different moments of your guest meal can elevate the dining experience and help your check average. Diageo Bar Academy online courses offer real life skills to help you grow in your career. They are always free, interactive, and each e-learning course takes less than 30 minutes. And you receive a certificate upon completion which you can view on your profile at any time. To learn more about what Diageo Bar Academy has to offer to grow your career, visit www.diageobaracademy.com That's D-I-A-G-E-O baracademy.com. Become a member and be sure to opt into the newsletter today it's completely free and you will be amazed at all they have to offer that's d-i-a-g-e-o bar academy.com we're back and if people are listening to this and they are convinced uh, they want to be a part of the solution they want to uh, be a part of the change where do we start like how do we start doing better today
1: Yeah, I I think, you know, and and I work with so many founders and entrepreneurs who come to me with that question. I want to do better, not sure how, how to start. Um, Can you help me? And, you know, what I've done is, you know, first you start with a, you know, with self-awareness, essentially a SWOT analysis, right? Where are we today? And it's, 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 checking in with yourself as, as an entrepreneur and checking in with the business and, and, and taking inventory. You know, here's what we're, we're doing. Here's what we believe in. Here's what we're doing. Um, and then once you have that uh, being clear on where you would like to be aspirationally. So you pick a, pick a point in the future. It could be next quarter. It could be, you know, by the end of the year, it could be in 10 years. Um, but but choose some goals that are achievable but stretch, and then start to look at the the you know the 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 priorities in front of you, uh, and you know I start with with the you know the easy button or the no brainers the what we might call the the low hanging fruit. Uh, there is no real conflict or tension. Uh, the choice is clear. You just have to make it. So, which give
0: us like list those things like those those clear choices that might not be so obvious for everyone.
1: So that might be and I'll just take a symbolic one. You know, uh, moving from a a plastic straw to a paper straw or a truly compostable straw. Um, it's it's a no brainer. Just do it. Mm-hmm. Uh, it, it really isn't going to move the needle. Uh, you can, you can, you know, they're great alternatives to plastic. Um, so just just do it. Uh, th- another one might be looking at uh, the Dirty Dozen and Clean Fifteen, and 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 looking at that list and looking at your product list and saying, okay, are there ingredients that we, you know, we can we can move towards organic because these are the ones that are most heavily treated if, if conventional. Pretty easy choice. It's clear. And, you know, it, it's sort of packaged in a way that you can really communicate it to the team, to, to consumers, to your board, if you need to, or your finance team. And, 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 you know, it's just a matter of, of doing it. These are the, these are the big movers that are available both organically and conventionally.
0: Um, so real quick question on that. Um, is there a difference between organic food and food grown and using biodiversity best practices?
1: So, you know, there are certifications um, and, and, you know, the organic certification is, is flawed, but sort of the best we have in terms of third, third party. Um, if you are sourcing locally and you can you can go to the farm, you, you get to know the farmer and you can see for yourself um, what their practices are. Um, you know, we've always favored that over certification. Um, certification is important if you can't vet the, the producer yourself. So you, you know, it, short of um, visiting the farm, uh, the, the certifiers uh, certify that, you know, c- certain chemicals aren't being used or they're not genetically modified, etc. Et- et cetera. It's just, it, it, um, it gives you a, a level of confidence that, um, you know, the, the, the things that you don't, that don't align with your values aren't being used In terms of uh, biodiversity, biodiversity, um, you know, sort of or regenerative, uh, you know, it's, it, 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 again, this is where sticking to your local food system so you can really build this relationship and, um, and, and, and visit these farms, I think is important. Uh, otherwise, um, you know, you, you really have to to dig a little deeper, uh, because the, the food system is a little still opaque, um, so it, it takes some work,
0: uh,
1: you know, upfront work. But once you set these relationships, uh, then then you're good. And then it's it's a matter of uh, communicating it truthfully out to to your customers and your team, uh, so that you're honest and 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 true. Uh, the the second once you get through these sort of easier easier lifts that truthfully don't cause a lot of pain or suffering, um, you you might start to look at things that. Uh, are challenging, that the the choice is clear uh, if you've um, you've sort of set your values and, and where you want to go, uh, but it may cause some friction. So that might be changing vendors. It may be changing uh, uh, specs. It might cost a little bit more. So you might have to uh, find other forms of efficiency. Uh, so that might be moving from, you know, uh, 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 grain-fed to, uh, to pasture-raised animals, for example. Um, or it might mean moving from a conventional potato to something that is, is heirloom that, uh, from a very specific farm, uh, like a, like a Wiser farm out in, uh, out in, out in uh, California or Norwich Meadows uh, here on the East Coast. Uh, these will cost a little bit more. They might take a little bit of effort to set up. Uh, s- supply chain um, you know, needs to be nurtured a little bit, and it requires leadership because there will be pain points and friction points uh, on the journey. But the payoff is you're living your values, and I believe you're now not just competing,
0: but you're differentiating your brand. Yeah. Where, and, where are the pain points the that we should be aware of, ready for that you can identify?
1: One of the big pain
0: points will,
1: will oftentimes be cost. So, you know, that's where you have to be creative and uh, work with your producers. And are there ways to, um, you know, to, to mitigate that by, uh, reducing packaging. We did that with Scarborough farms and, and reusable totes versus, uh, branded cardboard uh, which you know not unnecessary cost um, cutting out uh, some of the hands in the supply chain going direct versus um, through you know box in box out uh, food aggregators Uh, that's part of the problem with the 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 food system is there are too many hands in the till Um, so if you can reduce both the distance traveled right shorten the supply chain and um, eliminate all the unnecessary hands in, 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 in the, uh, in the till uh, you can reduce cost w- without um, cutting, cutting quality. Got it. Uh, and it takes some, it takes some work and that's where the leadership uh, matters, but it's also where you can differentiate and strengthen your brand deep in the mode um around supply chain yeah
0: um you mentioned not buying straws and plastic pur- making better purchasing decisions uh i mean also i think we need to cut out plastic bags and styrofoam i'm like is that can you get behind that i i i
1: i i was behind that uh you know 10 years ago um, yeah we it was, that that is uh we have to do better than that i i think um, I'm on to, uh, cir- you know, uh, circular economies and, you know, there's a startup in New York called Delivery Zero. Uh, the idea is to replace the single use to go containers with reusable, uh, clamshells and, and, and soup containers, et cetera. Um, and if we get broad adoption in these big cities like Los Angeles, San Francisco and, and New York, Uh, where everybody agrees to use the same container, um, we can begin to cut down on, uh, I mean, if you walk through Manhattan uh, after lunch, the the trash cans are just piled with compostable containers that never reach a compost (laughs) facility. Um, So the the packaging waste and the
0: cost to the business is absurd so get into that sort of stuff what is the stuff that is like really changing the game who are the people that are are doing things that if everybody got on board not only would the world be a much cleaner place much more sustainable place but also it will lower our costs i mean if everybody's using like what what percentage is packaging for a restaurant and not huge but it, it it's a couple it's a point or one at least a point right like, it used to be a point. Now it's much higher because because the cost to, to do sustainable packaging is much higher. Or well, I don't know if it works
1: but easier. also the, but also the volume. Mm. It used to be. I mean, we we started Tender Greens as a as a dine in experience. It was never meant to be this sort of to go delivery hub. And you know, I spoke to to Harold, the the new CEO of, of Tender Greens in Sakaya, yesterday delivery and, and you know like uh, delivery and pickup is now I think sixty percent of volume. Wow. It used to be like 10%. So it's it's insane. And, and 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 all I see is waste. So I think you know delivery zero is a is an example of and there there are a number of groups um, across the country trying to solve for this. Uh, but it takes systemic change it, it, it you know it, it, the 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 cities have to buy in the restaurants have to buy
0: in the consumer has to adopt i think that's the key one right there I think we forget that the consumer controls everything. If we can convince the consumer, if we can educate the consumer, and that's why I say the restaurant, if you transform the restaurant industry, industry you transform the world uh, because we have influence. We are the educators. We are the ones going to the consumer saying, cut the shit. Like, no, we're not doing this anymore. And here's why. And you're going to be okay with it because we need to make change. And we need, We I think collectively people need to do this across the board, because the, I mean, I, I think it needs to be a group effort among the industry to, to try to, to be better. And I think that, I don't know. I think people in the industry are the best people. Restaurant people are the best people. They're influencers. They, they have the best values. Um, I think we can change the world, but. a um, right thousand is. percent. And,
1: and I, I'd, I'd add in, you know, the markets, I think whole foods deserves a lot of credit um, as, as being a, you know, such a pioneer over the years. Now it has changed under the you know control of Amazon. But um, you know, a, a, a place like Whole Foods or Erewhon, or um, you know, some of these uh, these these markets, where if you don't have a reusable tote when you walk in, you you feel like an absolute loser. Right? Because there's this culture of care. It's an intentional community. And the expectation is that you're mindful enough to, you know, to, to grab a a reusable tote um, to carry your bags out and not use paper or plastic. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and I find if I go to a market like that and it wasn't planned and I don't have a reusable bag, either I'm walking out without a bag and trying to you know, get it to my car, or I feel a degree of shame, and I am apologetic. Um, and I think that's important that we we create this culture of, of of care, and that if you're walking down the street in any city, and 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 you're not carrying a, a reusable container, someday in the future, that you would, you know, sort of be a little embarrassed, a little shamed uh, because you're, you're part of the problem,
0: not the solution. Yeah. Who's doing this? Well, if you could like refer me to a person or a group, a restaurant group uh, that's doing this well, who, who comes to mind? So yesterday
1: I was on uh, i I'm, I'm part of the chief, chief sustainability officer group for food tank and uh, the chief sustainability officer for just salads was on. And you know, I think they've really taken a leadership position. So they've, you know, since since they started, they had reusable just salad bowls that you know people can uh, transfer the the salad, um, you know, from the from the line into their bowls, and then bring, you know, washing them, bring them back for next use. So they're they're doing that, um, which is clunky and hard and. Um, you know, we, we all talk about doing it, but, you know, they're actually doing it. So I think it's worth celebrating. And then uh, they also uh, I learned yesterday that they're, they're working with uh, delivery zero also. So they're, they're, they're trying to address this along the channels that are available. One sort of native um, and, and two, you know, through a, through a partner and you know I, I don't know that they get an, enough credit for it, but I, I think they're they're worth uh, celebrating and they're 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 doing the hard work to 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 fail or or fi- you know suffer through the friction uh, because they believe that it's right.
0: and I, I think it's admirable. Who's delivery zero? Delivery zero is a startup
1: based in Manhattan that is a delivery system, you know kind of like an Uber or postmates or whatever. Uh, but they're they're not you know they're not um, they're not obsessed about the delivery they're obsessed about the reusable containers. So what they do is they buy all of the containers, they give them to restaurants who per- participate and they pass the cost on to the consumer who gets credit if, if they return that container, uh, the container is uh, washed by the uh, by delivery zero. So, if you're a regular delivery zero consumer, um, you might you know kind of like a I don't know, nobody will remember this, but you know, there was a time when dairies would deliver milk, and then you you, you know you had empty milk bottles. They, deliver the next round of milk and pick up the the old ones or in a restaurant kegs uh, it's the same idea so they'll next time they come uh to deliver something to you uh they pick the pick up the uh you know the, the used ones uh sanitize them and they get worked back in the system i think they're durable up to a thousand uses um so they can you know withstand about a thousand uses before you know they're retired um, early days. Uh, I know a lot of people are piloting it. Uh, we'll see, but you know, again, worth celebrating and worth uh, keeping,
0: uh, keeping track of. So the last thing I want to discuss before we open it up, open it up for Q&A is this idea of what's the major argument if um, we get some pushback with this being profitable? where why do you think food transparency will be or will make you more profitable well I think uh,
1: transparent full food transparency or or transparency transparency in general is is honesty which translates into credibility which translates into um, commitment and attachment and and uh, um, a sense of uh, belief in in a brand. So, if if you are clear and transparent, the relationship you develop with your consumers uh, will be one of trust. And and a brand that has trust has power. And as long as that trust isn't broken, uh, it deepens commitment and, and consumption of that brand. I think Patagonia is, is a good example of, of a brand that, and, and Whole Foods um, uh, are, you know, those are two good brands that have been very open and honest about what they do and, and people assign value and you can get and and to profitability. You uh, you then can charge a premium.
0: Yeah. And I think this is why, uh, you know, conscious capitalism is something that I think is very, like just interesting. This idea of having a purpose behind your business, a higher purpose, a mission. You have to bake this stuff into your culture. You can't just go buy reusable stuff and say, Hey, we're, we're going to do this. Uh, You have to like, you have to put it front and center. You have, this has to be at the front of who we are, why we exist. And what's going to happen, what you'll see is people who have your same values, who share your values are going to come to you because it's, it's really all about psychographics. People want to be seen in places that reinforce their personal identity and what they share in the, if I shop here, people are going to think this about me, right? Um, What are your thoughts on that?
1: No, a hundred percent. And and where transparency plays a, a, I think a pivotal pivotal role in that is, without transparency, anybody can greenwash. Mm-hmm. And when brands are are greenwashing or, or presenting really sharp false claims, then consumers are duped into to buying into that. Um, and and therefore the the system collapses. With transparency, if you're dishonest, you're going to be outed, mm-hmm. and so that that holds people accountable to some degree.
0: Yeah, and I, I like the point you made with the NFTs. Um, did I get that backwards? I was non NFT. Yeah, NFTs. <laughs> yeah. Um, I, I mean, it's really interesting to see how that plays a role in the future and being able to trace things and reinforce this idea of just transparency. I'm excited for that. Um, I know that we can do so much with NFTs, but I forget sometimes the, like the, the ramifications, like the actual impact this new technology will have in the world we live in. So is there anything we have not discussed up to this point that you want to get out?
1: Well, we, we certainly talked about a lot. Um, but now that you bring up NFTs, this is something that I uh, didn't fully um, understand until uh, about a week ago. There's a, I, I think you're going to talk to him, uh, this uh, uh, flyfish. Yeah, in, next
0: week. In New York.
1: Yep. Uh, I think it, it was the first time that I, I heard about an NFT that made sense to me and had a use case that I could relate to. And I think it's, it's brilliant. I have been sort of sitting with it. um, And uh, you know, it's a, it's another version of a, you know, an exclusive club in a sense. Um, So it's going to be, I I can't wait to to listen to that interview because it's a, it's an interesting, uh, it's an interesting concept. Raise money and, and, you know,
0: create the sort of um, velvet rope, uh, experience with the restaurant. Uh, so, if we want to continue this conversation, I don't know if you're consulting on this matter, if you're helping restaurants get onboarded with more sustainable practices. What's the best way to connect with you?
1: Um, you know, on social, Eric Oberholzer. You know, LinkedIn or or, or uh, Instagram uh, directly, Eric E R I K at Cohere dot N Y C. Um, And and yeah, I'm, I'm, uh, I'm working with quite a few uh, founders of growth brands um, to, to help them navigate, you know, all of these issues. And it's, it's not easy, but you know, if it was easy, then everybody do it. So uh, this is an opportunity to lead for a lot of, a lot of businesses. It's an opportunity to make real impact and it's, it's a, it's a real opportunity to, not just live one's values, but uh, differentiate a brand. Because if you if you can if you can solve some of these these issues, not on your own, but um, you know collaboratively with others in the industry, we can make a real difference. And I know that's that's your mission. How do we how do we make big change, or what Google refers to as food shots? These are the moonshots in the food business that really will affect lasting multi-generational change
0: yeah i mean one thing that gets me really excited is just how resilient the earth is when we when it gets what it needs it can bounce back ecosystems can bounce back and it just takes a group effort to to let the earth do what it does do you ever think there's going to be a day where we see buffalo like roaming the plains again and like there's just open borders and nature can just do what it does is that within our lifetime
1: well I you know I, th- I think uh, Patagonia provisions has done a lot with uh, the, the buffalo and the great plains um, because they're so important to to the, to the health of the you know the grasses and the soil um, and to the culture of a lot of um, you know uh, Native Americans uh, in, in the plains so yes I, I do think we'll'll we'll continue to see uh, buffalo herd and uh, and wolves and, and others that are reintroduced in, into the ecosystem. And, and we, we just have to, to find a way to, be, to work in harmony. Um, and, you know, I'll be honest. I've got, you know, 14 chickens outside. Uh, yesterday I had 15. Um, I didn't eat one, but a cooper hawk uh, keeps attacking my, my flock. And I have had to um, really uh, restrain it. <laughs> them in. Uh, so you know, I I am dealing with it daily, and and I can't fault the hawk for for being a hawk. You know, it's it, it's doing what it's doing, and you know, we have coyotes and fox and raccoons and 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 uh, and bobcats and all like chicken. So as much as I'd like to have my chicken out, just you know, moving about, um, it's for their own protection that I have to have a really secure run. Um, and and that's the other thing, you know, this conflict between the, the wild and, and agriculture is is real. And, um, you know, again, I, I encourage people to watch uh, uh, The Biggest Little Farm. I think it, it tells a beautiful story of um, of regenerative agriculture and, and also uh, some of the the struggles of of agriculture and and uh, and the emotions of agriculture, but also the benefits.
0: Awesome. Uh, so I got to have you call somebody up before we say goodbye. Who do you respect and admire and believe is doing it right? Uh, who should be made an example? Of who we, who? Well, I'm just going to say this over. Who do you respect and admire and think we should make an example of on the show? Last time you called out Mario Del Perro, he was amazing. Call somebody else out.
1: You know, I was just up at Stone Barns, and this is probably an obvious one, but because of what we're talking about um yeah dan barber and and what they're doing uh at stone barns is just epic um you know we were up there for you know for for a full day and and i have to i have to tell you if if i were 20 again i would i would uh i would do whatever it took to go spend three years at stone barns and and work every position um not just in the in the restaurant, but uh, on the farm and, and learn everything. You know, you probably never stop learning because they are just innovating and doing uh, such cutting edge stuff uh, as it relates to regenerative agriculture. Um, so, I, I, you know, just really amazed with that. And, you know, the other guy who I think has stood out from everybody else uh, over over the last uh, year or so is Jose Andreas um, different, but you know, another example of how chefs can lead um, while others might chase the headlines or the the Twitter feeds um, he's, he's, he's making the news and it's, it's really impressive what he's doing in Ukraine and, and other, other places. He sees, um, uh, you know, a flare-up in the in the in the world where where people might be hungry, and he you know he, he organizes and he he's the first guy on the ground, so really impressive. And I think all cooks and chefs and restaurateurs should look at both of these guys and um, ask themselves, you know,
0: where can I you know, lead. Yeah. Thank you for setting the bar high for me, Dan Barber and Jose Andres. Look out guys, I'm coming after you. I'd love to get you on the show. <laughs> and uh, there is no questioning my man, you are unstoppable. Thank you so much for taking the time to join us again. Oh, thank you. Pleasure. Cheers. There we go. Another episode wrapped up here at restaurant unstoppable. Thank you to today's guest chef, Eric, Oberholzer and uh, I I love this kind of stuff. And I'll be honest, uh, as I continue forward with Restaurant Unstoppable, as much as I love interviewing restaurateurs and diving deep into their story and just sharing their wisdom and their knowledge and making an example of them, I love doing that. I really do. I also love learning about other things and uh, how the world can be a better place. And I'm fascinated by, like I always say, anthropology. And just the, the study of us, why we are the way we are. And I, I want to dig deeper into that sort of thing, and I also want to dig deeper into what we're learning about just better, like farming, better practices, better, be, better ways to exist on this planet. And because my mission statement is to inspire, empower, and transform the industry. I think it's important that we start focusing a little bit more on this whole transformation. What does transformation look like? Based off of almost 900 interviews of people who are trying to challenge the status quo, what does that look like and how can we learn from these people and how can we go deeper? How can we take these clues they're giving us uh, this idea of whether it's regenerative farming or biodiversity? Well, what does that mean and how do we get started with that and how do we make it possible? Like is is it out of reach for us? Like what, what can we do to start making this world that our restaurants exist in a better place? And I really do believe that if we transform the restaurant industry, we will transform the world but I think it's super important that we go forward very intentionally uh, and very just mindfully. Uh, and I wanna be a part of that mindful movement forward by going after these people who are doing it right and just following the clues and going deeper. And that's what today was. We went deeper. I wanna do more of this. If you wanna be a part of these conversations when I'm getting these people into the network, we're, we're hosting these live events. Join Restaurant Unstoppable Network. I post all these events, you know, weeks in advance who I'm talking to and when I'm talking to them. If it's a subject you're interested in, Uh, not only are we talking about this type of stuff, but we're getting into details on how to run business better. So if you're interested in any of that, come hang out in Restaurant Unstoppable Network. All right. That's it for today, guys. Thank you so much for sticking around this long. Until next time, peace out.